A single breath realized. Holy shnikes. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Check like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless. The body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change. Speaking of being in a music studio, I have, uh, so one of my pet peeves of things that people tell kids is uh, the idea of an inside voice is quiet and an outside voice is loud. I will never say that to a kid. There's a million reasons to be loud inside and quiet outside. A million. I dig that. That's, that's, I, just think I think there's that's, a lot of truth to that. Yeah. So I am here interviewing my brother from marrying my sister and... Uh, yeah, you are going to come on the program and give us a little bit of a lighter episode, um, unless you just want to go straight into the worst things that you've ever heard of in your entire <laughs> life. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk, because you're a yoga master, I mean, Jesus Christ, you're sitting in an office chair with your legs crossed. That's how, the, how it goes. This is, this is the corporate, can't be comfortable. corporate way of corporate sitting. Corporate sitting with your... You, he goes to work in pajamas. Pretty much. Do you want to talk about your work or do you not? Like, I want to talk about yoga a lot, but you don't have to cool. talk about where you work if you don't want to. It's up to you. No, we can talk about that. I, I work at Lifetime. Uh, it's a company that's gone through a lot of evolutions over the past, well, ever since it came into to life about 25 years ago. But really over the past decade, uh, you know, we've really been looking at what it's like to live a healthy way of life. You know, it used to be fitness. That used to be part of the name. Uh, they made a choice, what, two years ago to drop fitness to really? go, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's a philosophical thing? It is because, I mean, when you think about fitness, yeah, that helps your mindset. But the more we start to think about, and I think it was kind of fun, I like to say that yoga had some part of the evolution. For sure. Because it's not just about the body, it is how you show up in your mind. And let's face it, if you ignore your mind, uh, the things that happen up in between your ears can really affect how healthy or unhealthy your life is. Well, that's perfect for a mental health podcast. I didn't even know that bringing up yoga would get that quickly tied to our mission. I thought I was going to have to massage it a little. And yeah, you're like, boom, right boom, in there. Got rid of the word fitness and decided that a healthy human being is different than just a healthy body. Exactly. Oh, that's so... I mean, that's eating disorders right there because there's still that, that classic stereotype that, oh, you don't look like you have an eating disorder. It's like, well, first of all, you don't always know what's going on in someone's body. And secondly, um, they could have an unhealthy mentality and currently not have, you know, and be having risky behavior, um, but not have the consequences yet, you know. Um, so having an unhealthy relationship with food, obviously, over time takes its toll on you, but maybe not year one, year two, and, and you think, oh... This is uh, a way that I can cope, but it doesn't seem to have any long-term consequences, and it's not true. Yeah, I mean, that's, 
yoga, when I first got into it, I was like, you know, this is going to be something fun. I actually got into yoga via acting, which was like one of the weirdest We're going to get into that. Segues. Your CD life on Broadway. That's Tell us the secrets. The CD the secrets life of Manhattan. that never really made it to Broadway because it was such a flop. It just stopped. You were a Broadway, you were a Broadway singer and actor. I lived in New York for 10 years. I, I was in many shows. I was in one show that was aimed at Broadway and then uh, closed in the previews off Broadway uh, at the Cleveland Playhouse of all places. I've never seen that on the marquee. Aimed at Broadway. <laughs> aimed at Broadway. We got the cast. We got the Broadway director. Uh-huh. And this show just is not going to hit the oh, mark. Oh, fuck. Not yeah. quite Hamilton. Not, not even Just like close. Hamilton light. It was like Hamilton's <laughs> pinky toe, basically. <laughs> That's me Going. with this portable audio recorder in Kel's studio. <laughs> so, before... So. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> well, how do you feel? You're on her mic, on her mic stand. That's got to be a little, bit of, a little bit of vibe, right? You know, I was listening to the album on the way over here, and yeah. it's just... She was such uh, an infectious soul. You know, I remember the the first time that we had the opportunity of meeting her, and I instantaneously went, "This is somebody I want in my life." You know, what she was, was the day you met. Did it, was it the home wrecking party when I bought the house and had people over, or did I, you meet her before that? I feel like she you brought her over to meet Purple. Right. The, oh, the baby little one. That's right. So, I talk about my nieces a lot on the show, but I don't say their names. All right. Well, yeah. So purple we'll works just, say just purple. fine then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, our, our oh. first firstborn. No. No, 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 no. You met her when Margaret was still pregnant. Well, you know, I have two children, and so there's lots of holes in my brain <laughs> these days. Of your healthy mind and body. You have no idea how to start this interview. Um, I'm going to back this up. I wouldn't know Kel if it wasn't for you. Do you remember that? Well, you don't even remember the, when, how you met her, so you might not know the timeline. I do remember you wanting more music gear. And so I sang at your wedding. Yep. And the reactions that I got, which I wasn't expecting, it was just a little favor to sing at my, um, my sister and brother-in-law's wedding, and didn't think anything of it. And then people were coming up to me with these obnoxious questions like, uh, where's your CD? Where's your band? Where do you jam? Where do you play? Where are you performing next? I was like fuck off what are you people talking about because i never wanted to let myself think that you know i didn't want to be like the william hung like they think they're ready but they're really just aimed at broadway yeah that's that's the aim so i was just never thought anything of my you know musical tendencies or abilities i just i just liked it and then these people kept coming up to me treating me like something other than what i thought i was and i was like eh you know what what can it hurt I'll just walk into Guitar Center and buy a mic one day, and then I met my wife. Mm. So I met her because of you. And uh, I met her looking for my own voice, and now I tell her story to help other people find their voice. So it's just, I mean, if you had written all this, you couldn't have come up with as many literary instruments to try to drive metaphors forward in the story as there are in our real-life story. You'd be like, that's too many coincidences, that's too much, that's too much, it's not real, but it's... This is the real story. So I met her because of you. That's it. And I got to think, so we got together on August 16th. Fuck, that's coming up. Wow. Yeah, it's August now. We got together on August 16th, and then, in fact, the day, a few days before that, the day of our first hug, August 12th, I was at your house, and I was like, well, you know, this girl's going to put pickups in, new pickups on my guitar, so I'm going to go pick up the guitar, no big deal. And you must have sensed something, because you got this grin across your face. You got... Is she cute? 
I was like, I'm totally screwed. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to go see her. But then within a few days, we were like, so do you want to get married inside? Do you want to get married outside? Like, Isn't that amazing? It, it just worked out. When you meet that person, it's just like, oh, it's like finding your car keys. You just know it fits and then you stop looking. It's amazing. I, I feel the same way when I met your sister. Yeah. It was one of those things where... The year before. Yeah. And it, it, you spend so much of your life, you know, trying to force a round peg into a square hole. We just have to work harder on this relationship. Yeah, and all of a sudden you meet one person, you go, holy shnikes. For fuck's sake. It's an explicit podcast, Tori. (laughs) For fuck's sakes. I have a four and a six-year-old. I I try to keep that filter on all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, Tori Schaefer. (laughs) Fucking yogi. There you go. There you go. How'd that feel? Do you feel like an adult? It sounds good. So good. Okay, so you meet the right person. (laughs) Nice. I like I like where this is going. This is going so well, just like I planned. I have the and sweats you already. Yourself, I'm just Holy like, Jiminy crickets there. Well golly gee, I mean she was just so swell. Could this podcast get any more Minnesotan? <laughs> okay, so we were talking about before you lost your ability to curse. But I mean relationships. Yeah. I mean, talk about your your mental mindset. Uh we are conditioned and really that's I think where a lot of disorders come from. I think that's my opinion anyway, is that, you know, we're in a society where there is a right and wrong way to live. And we get conditioned from the very day that we come into the world of how should we look? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is the right relationship? How do we, you know, move forward in the way that is well, politically correct mm-hmm. as far as our, what our parents' expectations are, what the expectations of the community around us are? So that can do a job on you just right from the start. And that's really where, you know, I've found that yoga is a special tool. Uh, a lot of people think it's just about sitting weird in a chair or, you know, trying to touch your toes and do all these physical postures. Can mm. you do the position? The person next to you did it a little further. That's right. Can you, you can touch your toes? Can you wrap your finger on your toes? Can you put your palm under your feet? Eventually. I mean, if you can't do handstand, you might as well just stick your head up your ass and start levitating around the room because that's truly what enlightenment <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that... Idea, again, there's, there's conditioning, right? That's what the Western culture has put on and labeled yoga. But yoga has always been for thousands of years a mental practice. Mm-hmm. It's simply about can I be present? Can I be awake to what is in front of me at this moment and let go of the attachments that I have to what somebody else thinks or what they want me to do? So that can really play a part in every aspect of your life. Well, that's a paradox because I've taken classes, your actual classes before, and with any yoga instructor, you're like when you're first new at the class, I hate to say you want to please them, but you don't. You don't want to suck and stand out like a sore thumb and everything. And you're like, oh, everyone else is doing it this way, and they've got their hips all the way turned, and their fucking chakras are aligned, and mine are still like, I think I left them at home, and <clears throat> um, you do feel like you're trying to do what you're told and do it correctly, but you're saying that that's missing the point. Uh, that's because your third chakra was out of alignment, <laughs> which is actually your ego. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So if you think about you know your belly, and it's kind of interesting because you know belly, you know we all have image issues and whatnot. Sure. Uh, when we show up with our ego, our mind is telling us a story of, oh, I don't want to be doing this wrong. I don't want to look like the idiot in the room. But as soon as you let your belly hang out and you go, hey, this sucker is here and it's real. 
you're almost taking a weight off your heart and you're going, I accept who I am today. And the physical postures of yoga were really an evolution of going, hey, society is getting faster, things are moving in a different way. Can we actually induce stress into this class in a different way that is going to force the mind to maybe attach? But then the teacher's job is really to go, can you find your breath? Can you learn to breathe through this? And as soon as we bring our focus to our breath, it calms the mind down a bit. And hopefully we can start going, I recognize what my habits are when I am feeling reactive. And then you get to choose. Mm -hmm. Is that serving me right now? Or can I say, fuck off? I don't need you right now. Uh, I believe in me. And that's what's important. And I can see where I am in this time and space. That's really interesting. I do wonder, like... um completely forgot what the hell I was going to ask. I love it. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> crickets, crickets. <laughs> no, um, okay, I'll remember it in a second. I had a couple different questions in my head. Um, I wonder a lot how, where any of these things came from. Like, how do you, how did they just, I know it's thousands of years of mm. trial and error and stuff, but how people realized over time, like, oh, if I put my foot, my ankle behind my head, then I can really breathe through the pain of life. Like it's, you, you've, you've described yoga once as breathing through pain. Hmm. Is it really breathing through pain? It's, it's something like it's that, breathing when, when you're in pain. Yeah. Uh, so you don't attach to the pain. Uh, there's a book that is thousands of years old and it, it talks about war. And this young man sits in the middle of this battle that's about to happen, and he sees friends on one side and, you know, his co-workers on the other, in a rude way of paraphrasing it. And he sits there, and he's like, oh my God, this war can't happen. And this godlike being comes down and goes, the war doesn't matter. There are things on both sides of almost every equation that happens in life. And it's not that there's good or bad. It's how we attach to what the fear or the craving is that's happening at any moment. That could be pain. The pain isn't bad. It's just, are you attaching to it? Hmm. It's like when somebody has an injury or a mental condition, you know, sometimes we attach so much to that that we actually become the thing that we're trying to overcome. Can you cut out those uh, snurfles that, that come up every now if and then? If you pause before and after them, I can. <laughs> nah, just keep the snot in there. <laughs> I couldn't hear it until you made I, fun of yourself. That's right, because that's, that's what happens as we attach to <laughs> what happens. And it actually makes the condition sometimes worse than it would have been if you just were present and just kept going. Well, that's interesting. So I've brought up with, or I hope I have, I'm editing now. So now I'm realizing all the things I've been forgetting to ask people and et cetera, et cetera. But... This idea of, I know I've brought it up with a few people, um, becoming addicted to the diagnosis, like mm. addicted to the label and, and that this horrible thing that happened to me that, yes, has disrupted my life is a part of me forever and I don't even know if I can let it go because my, like maybe the diagnosis becomes a crutch. Oh, I haven't achieved this and that because I'm XYZ, because PTSD, because anorexia, because whatever, right? And that it can be hard to let go of that. And obviously I don't want that for anyone, you know, um, um. But yeah, this idea of not getting attached to, um, you know, the the afflictions and trials and tribulations of life, to me, seems like a parallel for recovery, hmm. you know, and I hadn't thought of yoga that way. I know that it's deeper than can you, can you do the position, 
but I haven't done enough of it long enough. And I do get caught up in, well, no, I can't. And now I'm going to go watch YouTube because that, you know, I feel relaxed. I feel stretched out, but I know I didn't do any of it right. So that's still where my head is at. Yeah. And I mean, talking in yogic practices, I mean, there's so many different types of physical things out there and there's really something for everybody. When we get tight in our mind, we get tight in our bodies. The the two go hand in hand. Uh, we, We can't have a body without a mind, a mind without a body in some respect. I mean, obviously there are different conditions that happen in the world that, you know, immobilize one or the other from time to time. But really, we're, we're meant to work together. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We'll, we'll focus on, you know, what's going on in my head and because somebody said that I'm dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only thing I'm working on. Well, if you get your body involved, you, you move your body, you start to, you know, open up some of the tight areas. It doesn't fix, but it helps us to dig deeper into what's going on in our mind. Um, physicality and sensation are simply tools uh, or vehicles that help us realize what is present. And sometimes that feels good, sometimes it doesn't. But all of yoga came back to meditation. That's one of those words in yoga that still, I think, freaks people out. Totally. They go, oh yeah, I'm supposed to clear my mind, so I don't want to do that. I'm supposed to sit in one spot and not move. I don't want to do that. It's bony. It hurts on the floor. (laughs) Totally. But... Meditation, I forget where I heard this, is simply a single breath realized. So if you can focus on a breath coming in and out and just be present, that's meditation. That can happen anywhere. And so there's lots of different ways to meditate, and there's, it's becoming a buzzword. Like Meditation is becoming the new yoga trend trend it's only thousands of years old it's as old as breathing like you just said yeah and that's i mean if you talk to yogis that really get into it um you know they say that yoga simply was the big bang yoga has been around since there was life Hmm. because the very word and people think here we're yoga and they go oh that's the physical practice it's me bending it's me moving the word yoga means connection so as Soon as there was some sort of connection in life, that was yoga. Our job as teachers or people that are trying to live that lifestyle is to simply go, where am I disconnecting? Is it in my mind? Is it in my body? And, you know, even if you just take 10 breaths at any given moment, I mean, put yourself in a stressful situation and you're starting to feel that heated sensation, a little biochemical reaction happening. You're getting hot in the head. You're about to explode and yell at somebody. Mm -hmm. Go take five breaths. And you'll go, holy shit, I no longer want to punch that motherfucker in the face. Mm -hmm. I can actually take a step back and go, maybe there's a different way to communicate and have a different conversation here. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's easy to say, okay, yoga and meditation, these are the things I do in my my downtime when I'm by myself and when I'm, you know, I get the right outfit on and maybe I put some music or maybe I don't. But it's when I get this sterile environment that I've manufactured to do this practice. But the way you just talked about it, it's the opposite. It's what you do when you're the most off balance, the most dealing with something you didn't want in life, right? Yeah, and a great phrase is that our yoga practice is, it's life training. It's it's training us for whatever's yet to come. Uh, you listen to Kelly's music and there's a lot of yoga in it. Hmm. The the chord structure, you know, there's this weight of what's going on with her words and the trauma that she had to deal with. But holy shit, the chord structure, I mean, there there's light. Like you can feel that there's there's 
a light that I'm going towards and I am going to fucking make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always hope that people see the, the lighter part of the album because when you first listen to it, it's like, I'm still alone, I'm still afraid, I'm still insane. Like, okay, there's something going on. But if you really, really do listen, there are brighter spots. And it's not obvious. Like, I'll tell you when, uh, <clears throat> what it was like hanging out with her. You know, we, were, we didn't jam often because, again, the pinky toe issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it just would be a, kind of a waste of her time. No, I, I was embarrassed too, and we also were just into each other and didn't want to sit around and play our guitars. But um, the few times that we did are, you know, obviously treasures. And uh, I'm playing one time, and I'm playing rhythm and waiting for her to solo over the top of it. And uh, and she stops and she goes, "Don't have a three in every chord. Every chord, you don't have to decide if it's major or minor. Start using fours and nines, and let the soloist decide where we go emotionally." And I was just like. I could have played for another thousand years. I've never come up with that. Mm-hmm. When I'm writing a song, the first thing I think is, okay, you know, here's my tonic, here's my root note, and now is this major or minor? I feel like I instantly have to decide whether the listener is going to be happy or sad. And she was like, no. In fact, you don't have to make that decision ever. You can have a huge, you know, huge, beautiful chord progression with no threes on any chord. And that's just like, I feel like that's what makes her music so different than other people's is that she doesn't tell you how to feel and you can listen to the same song again and again. And at the bridge, you can be a little bit darker, a little bit tense, or you can find that light, you know, but that just blew my mind when she said that. I was like, fuck, she's on another level. Yeah. And that's, I, art is so important because we'll put it this way. You can always tell when an artist is phoning it in, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing it because I'm trying to have that hit pop song or whatever the hell that they do. And when an artist is truly being present, uh, musicians and artists that are really on that level are practicing yoga. They are into connection. They have something that is speaking to them in their heart. They open themselves as vulnerable as they could be. It's almost like they're standing naked up in front of the world, bearing their soul. And that's what comes across. You go to a museum and you see a painting on the wall. And holy shit, if sometimes you don't sit there and you just go, why the fuck am I feeling this way? You know, it's a goddamn ocean with a beautiful skyline, a couple of freaking birds up in the air. Yeah. And all of a sudden I get tingles on my skin and I go, God, I just feel something happening inside of me. Uh, music, I think, drives, I mean, there is nothing that touches the human soul and nervous system as quickly as music can. Mm. And that just really digs in in such a human way. Uh, it's just that we like to put up so many freaking brick walls in our life that we, you know, prevent ourselves from that beauty actually happening in every moment. So, yeah, so much love and kudos goes out to any musician or any artist that's willing to bear their soul and share that with the world because we need it. Yeah. <clears throat> Talking about, so another way that she was kind of eccentric was, uh, you know how she had that sense about her that she didn't care what anyone thought of her. Mm-hmm. And if she, if we were out about somewhere and a painting grabbed her, just in a you know public hallway somewhere, she'd stop and stare at it for as long as she wanted, and she didn't care what you know that she was looking different, acting different, whatever. She would just stop and take that in, um, and that's the thing that that she really taught me the most is that you know, and it's ironic considering what she was dealing with, but that there's just beauty all around us and we ignore it every day. We'd go out to a restaurant, we'd come home, and then she'd show me some cool little picture that she had edited on her phone. I'd be like, where is that? I want to go there. She was like, we were just there. And I, I stopped and said, this is what the world looks like to you? 
And I just, I try to see it through her eyes so hard. I try so hard now with her gone to notice, a, you know, a beautiful doorknob. Like, see these doorknobs in these frames? Mm-hmm. It's just cool. Like, who else would see, people would come into her house and go, what is that? And I'd go, it's a doorknob. They're like, well, no, but yeah, but why is it in a frame? Like, who, who sees that? An artist sees that. Yep. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!